0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to In Context and Culture. We're so glad that you are joining us just once again as we continue our study in the book of Revelation. Uh, Corey, I actually just got a text uh, this morning and yesterday morning um, from people who've benefited from the podcast. So that definitely encourages me. I know you've shared with me someone from your church who's been listening and sharing uh, the, our podcast. And so uh, it's just a huge encouragement that people are benefiting from uh, our study and studying along with us Um So thank you for tuning in, continuing to do so. Uh, We are in chapter two still in the book of Revelation in our section on the seven churches. Uh, This section on the seven churches, just as a reminder, is uh, John writing to seven uh, churches across Asia Minor that are real churches. And yet they do represent uh, churches even that exist today that follow Christ. It was written to those churches, but it is most certainly for us as is all the rest of Scripture. And in these seven letters, Christ gives a personal and a practical message for local congregations that are enduring persecution to hear and heed, and he does so with five parts in each letter that you normally see. Uh, The first is a characterization of Christ. It tells us something about Christ particular to the church's context and what they're enduring. Second, it gives a commendation of what they're doing well. Third, a critique of what they're not doing well. And then oftentimes for a command and uh, what they need to do. Lastly, in a call a call to conquer and a uh, to, to call to remain faithful. And uh, by being faithful, they will have eternal life with the Lord. So we're at the church um, called Thyatira. Um, I'm sure you might pronounce that differently than I do. Uh, how do you say that, church?
1: I'm, I'm with you, man. Thyatira.
0: Sure. Yeah. Thyatira. So why don't you read for us, Corey, verses 18 through 29. We encourage you to follow along in chapter two.
1: I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end to him, I will give authority over the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And when earth, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So here we're, uh, going to jump right into this church in Thyatira, and I think it's important for us to, to know a little bit about um, Thyatira and the fact that um, there were, uh, they were very prevalent in metalworking. They were prevalent in, um, oh gosh, what is the other thing here that is addressed?
0: The, um, they're tradespeople, right? They had trade guilds.
1: Yes, thank, thank you. Yeah, you they, they, they were dyeing fabrics and all the, those kind of things. And so they had these trade guilds uh, that people would be, um, there would be a lot of pressure on these believers to be a part of. Uh, and if they wanted to continue to be a part of the economy in this city, um, it would be very important for them to be a part of these trade guilds. And so that's going to come into some uh, some prevalence here as we as we read through this. But as we're thinking about um, who Christ has revealed Himself to be here, uh, just jumping right into who, um, what it says about Christ, it says the words of the Son of God. And that's the only. This is the only letter in which Christ reveals Himself as the the words of the Son of God. That self-designation, the Son of God. This is the only one of those letters that He does that in, and I think that's important because there were. A couple of temples there dedicated to the sons of Zeus that they would worship, but also I think considering the whole letter and what he says at the end about um, those who conquer will be given authority to rule with a rod of iron and and they will um, break as when earthen pots and broken pieces. Um, that I believe all of this is a reference back to Psalm chapter two, um, where where Christ is given authority and says, kiss the son unless he be angry with you. And so I think all of that uh, language of the son of God is a reference back to Psalm 2. And and also here you have these eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze these eyes like a flame of fire obviously go back to the reference here in chapter one of who Christ has revealed himself to be. But I want you to think about what fire does in the context of this city of Thyatira and fire purifies and that they would have used fire um, to purify the metal that they would be forming in this bronze industry that they had. And so uh, this flame of fire, Christ has eyes like flame of fire, meaning that He will purify His church. And for a church that is caught in the midst of idolatry and sexual immorality, that is a um, that is a very uh, striking image to have right here at the beginning. That that Christ is going to purify this church. Um, additionally, the, whose feet are like burnished bronze. Uh, it's interesting to me that that this word for burnished bronze, this is the only place in all of Greek literature that this term is used. So like not anywhere else in the Bible, not anywhere else in Greek literature, but this term about burnished bronze is only used here. And some believe it was this metal that was more precious um, than gold. Uh, But this burnished bronze is something that uh, gives the idea of strength, that his feet are going to stamp out any opposition against him, and so you have this—you have this picture of Christ as the rightful king, the one who will purify the church and stomp out his enemies, and all of that um, is written to the church here in Thyatira. You got any comments on who Christ has revealed Himself to be there?
0: No, I think you definitely hit it more than anything I could add. I would just uh, go back to the guilds just for a moment and what. Um, is consistently the issue amongst the seven churches as far as what the pull away from the Lord continues to be is to be like the culture, right? Mm-hmm. And what we find in the culture of Thyatira, much like the culture of um, uh, many of the other uh, areas in which the churches exist across the Asia minor is that there's worship of you know, pagan deities. There's celebrations of pagan festivals, and especially within the guilds to be accepted within these guilds, where's where you made your money um, uh, you would be expected to take part in those um, uh, you know, pagan activities. Um, and so uh, what they're going to have to face <clears throat> is um, do I compromise and go along with the culture? Or do I stand out from the culture and, um, and and choose not to participate in what is disobedience to the Lord, right? I mean, it's the same that we face today, right? Romans 12, right? Do not conform to the way of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And so sometimes you have to make that stand and sometimes that stand will um, cause tribulation and cause, uh, uh, you know, persecution. So now I think what you said about uh, Christ is, great. I honestly did not know the thing about burnished bronze not being used in any other part uh, of Scripture. Um, uh, I think that's what you said. Um, and uh, the only reference that I found uh, of these parts of the characterizations of Christ, of course, you have a little bit of that about the eyes of fire and uh, the beginning of Revelation. And then you have a little bit of the idea of this, um, I think, fan of Daniel 10 um, of uh, the way uh, the son of God is described, or at least in Daniel 10 it's an angel, but so going on, uh, so our second section is uh, typically what we see as a commendation, what they're doing well. Not all churches have a condemnation, but this commendation by this church does, and this is what it says. It says, I know your works, your love, and faith, and service, and patient endurance, that your latter works exceed uh, the first, so once again, every time you see I know, it tells us and reminds us that God is present with his churches. What maybe the culture doesn't see, what other believers don't see, God sees because he's present with them, walks among his lampstands. And what he perceives um, properly about this church is that they're strong in love. They, they love well, right? Uh, this is almost the exact opposite, in a sense, of the church at Ephesus. And we mentioned that earlier in the book uh, or in the, in the letter to the church at Ephesus was Thyatira was somewhat of an opposite of it, um, where Ephesus was uh, somewhat, you could say, internally healthy and in that their orthodoxy was solid. They, they were right on doctrine, right? Um, they were even commended for uh, the teachings that they hated. Um, uh, they were, you know, like the, some might even refer to as the frozen chosen, though, because they didn't love well right? Um, Thyatira is the opposite in that they're externally healthy, they seem, because they're great not in orthodoxy, but in orthopraxy. Um, they, they might have, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, big potlucks where they just tell one another about their lives, and they might um, do great outreaches and stuff like that. But what's crept in, of course, is false teaching, which we'll get into in a minute. Um we, we ought to be careful not to say, Oh, Thyatira had it right, or Oh, Ephesus had it right. Both had issues, and the issues were either in the matter of holding fast to the word of God and obeying practically the word of God. And we ought to learn from both of them. Typically, what we'll do is the church that we identify most with, you know, maybe we're like really headstrong and have great doctrine, um, we'll say, Oh, Ephesus had it going on and it, it wasn't a, that big of a deal that they struggled with um, uh, loving one another, right? If, if your church tends to be a little bit more like Thyatira, sometimes you might say, Oh, we are just like dietara in the sense that we love well, and, you know, it's not a too big of a deal, but we also really struggle with having good doctrine. Um, and I think what the letters to the churches of Revelation teach us, us is that, hey, you must hear the words of God and heed them. You must listen to them and obey them. It's not enough to know the words of God, but to practice them. And if you practice them, also know them so you know what not to practice. Both sides are equally, incredibly important, right? And both churches fail in, 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 um, and fall short in ways where they, that they don't um, uh, uh, prioritize. So, anything you would say to that? To what he says, they do well.
1: Yeah, I do think there's always a, a danger of spiritual pride entering the church, and so like you, you think you're doing okay, and so you don't need to um, don't need to look at the areas in which uh, you need to improve uh but also on the opposite side of that, you also have people in churches that just think that that everything is bad like they're their own worst critic. And so I think one of the encouragement here, one of the encouragements is is that in verse 19, even though you've got more talking about the things that are going wrong in the church, you do have some some evidence of spiritual maturity in this church because it says that your your latter works exceed the first and so like they, they there is a there is a trajectory of growth they they're not perfect they've got things they've got to work on definitely but there is some things that they are doing right and so spiritual pride can manifest itself in thinking i don't need any help or spiritual pride can manifest itself in self-deprecation <laughs> where you say gosh i'm i'm doing terrible and, and nothing can help me as if god couldn't improve you and then you see here that the latter works have exceeded the first. And so I think that's important for us to remember is that whenever, whenever you receive criticism, whenever you receive uh, rebuke, even as Christ is rebuking this church later in the letter, not everything is terrible. Not everything is bad. There is some, there is some light there and it's the light of God's glory. That's, that is transforming them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great thing to point out, right? Because, uh, it's it's good to hear from the Lord, not only um, assurance that we're His, but an affirmation that we are progressively being sanctified, that yeah. we're looking more and more like Him. And as you mentioned, he he lists I think is it four things here: love, faith, service, and patient endurance, in which they're all growing in. Right? I would assume that their works that are better have something to do with those four things he's mentioned. Yeah. Right? Um, no, I think that's I think that's super great. Um, because, uh, without taking too many, much time on this, um, we are all, um, progressively growing more and more like Christ in the church. And we ought to examine every area in which we ought to grow more and more like Christ. And this was an area that he's about to mention that was unexamined, right? Um, that they needed to grow in. So what's that area? Let's look at the critique. Um, you want to read those verses that list the things that they're not doing well? Sure.
1: Um, but I have this against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to pract- practice sexual immorality
0: and to eat food sacrificed to idols. You want me to keep going or just right there? I mean, we we may want to just stop there for a minute. I mean, I think okay. y- you have the critique going all the way to basically what he's going to do, um, that he's going to basically kill her children. Um, uh, there's a little bit of, I mean, you could kind of lump that in with, um, consequences if we add another C, I guess. But um, uh, yeah, I think we should stop there just for a minute because um, their issue is is kind of twofold. And it might be threefold because you might tell me something I don't know, but um, their issue first and foremost is discernment, I think, that they've not come to recognize um, the importance of keeping away what is false doctrine right? Someone leading them astray. They've not discerned, hey, this is ungodly. Uh, this Jezebel who's in and amongst of our, of our church is not only teaching what is wrong, claiming herself to be a prophet and not teaching the words of God, but teaching something extra biblical, what she calls or others call the deep things of Satan, right? I don't, I don't think we find that in scripture, right? So she's teaching something um, unscriptural, mm-hmm. right? And, and they've not kicked her out, right? In fact, many of them have begun to follow her. Right. So I think there's a discernment issue there and and mixed within that discernment issue. I think there's a toleration issue. I think uh, one of the scriptures that tells us that toleration can be sin is this one right here. It says, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman. Right. So it, it, he's not even saying um, that the sin is only those that follow the woman, but even the leaders that are tolerating her and have not done what is necessary so that others do not follow her right? Um, You've tolerated her poor teaching that you've tolerated um, uh, how she has ransacked and ravaged the church. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think it's important that the the comparison being made here, like this was not, Mm -hmm. this woman was not Jezebel of the Old Testament. She was being compared to Jezebel of the Old Testament, which, you know, just to kind of give a little context there is the Queen Jezebel was married to Ahab and she led the nation into Baal worship. And so the the consequences of Ahab being led into Baal worship was that by the time you get Elijah confronting the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, there are 400 prophets of Baal in Israel. So like these are not just and even people. more followers
0: of Baal. Amongst Yeah. Group, right? yeah. So like, these thousands. aren't just
1: people that are saying, all right, I'm going to bow down to Baal. Like these are people that are propagating the message of Baalism. And so the, the tolerance in the church would lead to not only um, this woman teaching something incorrectly, it would lead to others being led to teach that very thing as well. And so um, tolerance in the church in the area of doct- doctrinal uh, error um, has far reaching implications and and you, you can't tolerate that as Christ easily says. And, you know, one of the things that I think is important is that, you know, what, what we'll get to in just a minute, if, if a church tolerates sin, ultimately Christ will not like he he is going to purify that church. He's going to purify those that are his. (laughs) And so, um, You know, it is not a small thing that they have decided to tolerate this woman, Jezebel, whatever her teeth and obviously it deals with immorality and and food sacrifice to idols. Um, But that tolerance is going to affect the whole church. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So how, how can we as churches today see this issue in the church, right? At least at the issue of the church in Thyatira and be able to Discern, I think, um, false teaching when it occurs, right? Um, Jezebel, I don't think we have any reason to say that she was a particular leader in the church, and yet she was leading people in the church away from the Lord. And so um, she was. You know, think of it like a member of the church, right, or something like that. Or maybe she had come in the church, not a member, and had begun to teach something separate from what most likely the teachers of that church um, were teaching. And I think discernment is really important for us to talk about because um, we ought to have spiritual radar that sees what is not biblical. um, And the way that we are able to discern truth from lies, I think, is being... Um, in the truth, consistently and constantly, right? I mean, Absolutely. what better way to identify lies than to be saturated in truth, right? I mean, it'll look different, it'll taste different, it'll sound different. It won't look like Christ. It won't. Uh, it 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 will clearly go against the, the 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 standard of Scripture. And in Scripture, we do have a standard of when we hear something. Hey, what does God's word say about that, right? Mm. Um, I don't know if you ever say something like this when you're teaching, but constantly my young adults and students have heard me say, I'm a fallible man bringing to you the infallible words of Scripture. Um, At the end of the day, go back to the word and see what God says. Mm -hmm. Um, I pray that I'm faithful in this task. Right. So where you're saturated in truth, you will be able to see lies. They'll stick out. They'll be evident. So be in the word of God so that when someone teaches something that is of Satan, as it says, they'll know that it's not. Biblical.
1: I mean, and, and I th- hopefully,
0: it won't have to get to the point where they're actually calling it satanic, and you still tolerate it, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I remember a um, something I read in a book, John Piper. Maybe it was a message that he preached one time. He said, whenever he was in in a seminary in Germany, and uh, he had some some teachers that were teaching some things that he said to him. He goes. Just smelled right. Like he could, he couldn't define it and couldn't, couldn't call it out per se. But he had been so saturated with the word that the Spirit gave him discernment in, hey, this is not right. And later he was able to articulate why it wasn't right. But in those moments, because of the Word, the, the Spirit gave him discernment in those things. And so, like, I don't, think, I don't think you have to be able to write a theological position paper on why something is wrong in order to be able to be discerning uh, in the church. I think that the Spirit will guide you as you saturate yourself with the Word, and, and He will give you that wisdom.
0: That's good. Hey, I'm going to continue reading. Uh, it says this, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. <clears throat> Does that imply that someone had spoken the truth to her and called her to repentance and she said no? Right, someone would have had to brought truth to yeah. her, right? Yeah, right. because the way in which God um, brings someone to repentance is uh, oftentimes through judgment and through a judgment that is first brought by someone basically calling them out, mm-hmm. right? Repent from your idolatry, right? And yet she persisted in sin. And I think, I mean, you see a pattern of this in the Bible that says, hey, for one who continues to persist in sin, there is the method of church discipline, right? And it seems as if what God is doing here is pointing out that they've not not followed the scriptural example of church discipline, and that's why he says they tolerated it, right? She refuses to repent. She's an unrepentant yeah. sinner, right? And they've not pushed that teaching away, or those that have followed followed her away. But what do you think?
1: Well, I think maybe it could be that they have started it, but they haven't they have continued it to completion because maybe somebody did go to her individually and says she's refused to repent, yeah. and so maybe they just didn't carry that to the full completion where they said we we are. Removing you from the fellowship. Correct.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. Because she's continuing to still take leaders. I mean, there's obviously right. it's not gone to how it should. I mean, they're still tolerating it. Right. Someone might have started the step of telling her, "Hey, this is not good," but they're still allowing it to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, continuing on. Uh, Behold, I will throw her onto a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. I think that's a good place to stop. Any thoughts on that? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um. (laughs) So I'm talking about verses uh, 22, I'll throw her onto a sick bed. Those that commit to uh, um, to her works, so those who commit adultery with her, I'll throw into great tribulation unless they repent like she has not done. I will strike her children dead. The churches will know that I'm the one who searches the mind and the heart.
1: Well, you, you know, I think I don't know if it's James <laughs> Hamilton or Tom Schreiner, one of them calls this the strange work of God. Like he wants He wants, uh, he comes in judgment, but his desire is for them to repent, right? But if, but if there is, if they refuse to, there's a point where, where judgment will come and so you've got a, a couple of things in here uh, i will throw her on a sick bed we, we know that there is sicknesses there are sins that lead down to death first john talks about that we see that in first corinthians where some have sinned and some have even died uh, they've gotten sick and died as a result of their lack of repentance and so Ananias and Sapphira. Like i it is judgment yes Ananias and as a fire who just God kills instantly. And so like, I think there is a sickness or a sin that leads unto death. Um, But I think it's interesting that it says he'll just throw her onto a sick bed. And then you have this progression that happens because, because the church wouldn't deal with this fully, she gets sick and, and those who are with her are going to be thrown into this great tribulation. I don't think this is the great tribulation uh, the seven-year period that you hear talked about and all of those things. I think there's just consequences of sin and maybe even correlating with the book of or, uh, Romans chapter one, where there's a natural progression for continuing to reject God. And and so that could be what this tribulation is. Uh, but I find it most interesting. It says, and I will strike her children dead um, because I think it was John Wesley that said what one generation tolerates the, the next generation embraces something to that effect. It's is probably much more catchy than what I just said. But, um, at any rate, uh, you know, there's this idea that, that what, what some people do, their children will embrace completely. And, and it says that I will, that I will strike her children dead. And it's interesting that Jezebel, um, as the queen mother, that all of her children, her her and uh, King Ahab, Jehu struck all of them dead. Like there were none of her descendants left as a result of that. And I think that's the picture here of what Christ is saying. Like there's... These ones that continue to follow after this false teaching, this false prophetess, will be struck dead, and it will it will lead to, I believe, not just physical death, but eternal death, because they're following after uh, one who is not is not a Christ. It'll be an indication that they weren't His to begin with.
0: Hmm. Thoughts on that? So, yeah. So, in a sense, are you saying that, hey, if 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 you do not take heed to my word right now. And you do not um, uh, uh, stop the teaching of Jezebel from ravaging the church and caringly, um, uh, uh, you know, stop those that are following after Jezebel as it progressively gets worse and worse and worse. And there's more devoted followers within even a generation. I will stop them myself. And I will do so by wiping them out. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll wipe them out to not let um, the teaching continue to spread like gangrene. So, So do we see here almost a warning of, hey, you're tolerating this. This is a serious issue. And as it progresses, if you don't stop the teaching here, I will when it continues to spread.
1: Yeah. Yeah. absolutely christ will purify the church undoubtedly and whether it takes you know we, we don't like to think that god would bring about about things that would that would cause all kinds of harm to a people but the the truth is he will purify his church he's making for himself a bride uh to be adorned in white and so um We need not think it be outside the realm of possibility that God would bring severe consequences
0: for continued sin. Hmm. I think it's interesting that it says, um, after it mentions that he will strike her children dead, her children being her followers, right? Um, And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works, God sometimes acts in judgment so that people know who he truly is. You know what? In in the story of Pharaoh, um, Moses goes up to Pharaoh and I don't have it pulled up in front of me in the book of Exodus, but Moses goes up to Pharaoh and basically says he will bring this plague until you know that the, the Lord most high reigns, right? Yeah. In Nebuchadnezzar, nebuchadnezzar would not acknowledge god because of his pride and what daniel said to nebuchadnezzar was for seven periods of time you will be banished from your kingdom made to eat uh, grass like the ox of the field in other words become the beast you truly are physically um one you are internally you will become physically until you know that the lord the most high reigns right mm-hmm. and so this is often how the lord works he works even amongst his children, Israel, right? He suspends his wrath upon them so that people know that he is a gracious God who cares for his covenant people. So the Lord yeah. operates for his name to be known and glorified, and he will do so even through judgment. So we ought to plead to the Lord, hey, Lord, we want your name to be known not in uh, uh, uh by means of you having to judge us, but by by means of us exalting you, right? Um, He will get the glory, and it might even be through judgment. And that's the warning here. I see your heart. I see your mind. I see what you do and what no one else sees. I know your works. I know the good things, and I know the bad things. And so repent and return to me, right? My name will be glorified.
1: That's a good word, because I think sometimes when we get that upside down and think that God would not... uh, Come against us, it's because we we think that this is all about us and not about God, you know. And ultimately God is about glorifying himself, not glorifying us in any way.
0: Yeah. And the crazy the crazy thing is about the scriptures, the scripture tells us about God's sovereignty and he tells us that, hey, um, he will through you be glorified. Will (laughs) it be in your defiance of him so that you're brought to shame in his glory? for his glory or will it be in obedience to him as he brings up the one that is humble and, 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 and carries along, um, you as his child. So what I mean by that is, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, God was glorified, um, even though the hands of lawless men crucified the Messiah, God's will was done, yeah. right? Acts 2.23, right? His name will be glorified among the nations. And you can be a part of those that um, uh, willingly and gladly glorify His name or the ones that He brings to shame for the glory of His name. And may we be the mm-hmm. people that do not operate in consistent, unrepentant disobedience um, so that uh, God against us bring glory to, brings glory to His name, but God through us gladly brings glory to His name.
1: Yeah. And and that's what this whole warning is about—is to bring people to repentance, right? Right. He says he will do the—he will throw them into tribulation unless they repent of her works, and so he desires that repentance, yeah. uh, Not just—not just to bring bring the hammer.
0: Yeah. So there's the critique. Um, uh, He also has a command, but the command's unique, right? So you have the kind of the command to repent which you just mentioned to those that are um, following Jezebel. But then he gives a command to those who aren't following Jezebel, right? And I think this is interesting. He says, um, but to the rest of you, this is verse 24, the rest of you, meaning those that have not um, become consumed with false teaching, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. To you, I say, I don't lay on you any other burden only hold fast to what you have until I come. Right. And so he's not laying up. This is what you need to do more. You need to do more of this. You need to do more of this. Hey, just continue to love the Lord, serve him, devote yourself to his teaching and love one another. Well, right. Yeah. I I think this is encouraging to me. Right. Um, Because the, the law of Christ that is written upon our hearts is a law of liberty, right? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? All of the law and the prophets are are, are put into these, right? And so uh, are summed up in in these. So I think it's great that he doesn't. Church is, church is enduring persecution. He just says keep on keeping on, right? Keep on yeah. loving one another yeah. and devoting yourself to the Word, right? I, I think that's helpful. Well, not-
1: I think even the structure of the way this letter is written, you know, like you've got that one verse that talks about what they're doing well. You've got, I don't know, three or four verses there to talk about what's what's uh, going wrong and they need to correct. But then you've got six verses here of encouragement at the end. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it's just a testimony to um, how God wants to encourage this church and, and, that they should just persevere in what they're doing. And, and really, you know, we've said it multiple times, but the message of revelation is perseverance of the saints. You know, they've got to keep going and endure in their faith until Christ returns, because what they have coming is far superior to anything and outweighs the tribulation that they are going through right now. And so uh, let, let's go on here.
0: Um, Can I just say one thing real fast? Like, sure. I, I think one thing that's interesting he said, that some of these that are following Jezebel are calling her teachings, the deep things of Satan. Like that sounds pretty outright. Like it is probably not good to follow, (laughs) right? The deep things of (laughs) Satan. Uh, But I think small steps of disobedience lead you to want more than the Bible has even the deep things of Satan, right? That that begins to not feel so um, blatantly bad when you're continually digesting and consuming what your heart wants apart from Christ. Right, mm-hmm. oh, I want, I want more. Right, um, and it probably began with small, simple steps of disobedience and sexual immorality, watching things they shouldn't have watched, going places they shouldn't have gone. Right, eating in places around, you know, um, uh, certain uh, uh, temples that were actually giving worship to those foods and, th- and things like that, and and it led to eventually. No, I'm not really content with what God says. So, what do you have? Deep things of Satan? I've never heard of that before. I want that. Like, let's just hear about that. And it didn't have its sharp. Uh, um, effect against them anymore. I mean, the deep things of Satan, that's pretty bad even sounding. But it probably didn't sound as bad once they were so consumed in their own sin. And what's so unique is these people that are commended, that don't need to do anything else, are the people that didn't need to hear anything else, right? He said, you didn't need to hear the deep things of Satan, hear me. You don't also need to do anything more. Just continue to do what you've already done and do it well, right? Commit yourself to what you've only committed yourself to. And props for that, right? Yeah. And now, do what you're doing well, and props for that. Persevere. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah.
1: No, it's fine. Um, just going to want to wrap us up here with the with the uh, the one who conquers at the end here. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end. To him I will give authority over the nation over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces even as I myself have received authority from my father and I will give him the morning star. So a few things here. Um, One is Christ is the one who has authority. I mentioned Psalm chapter two earlier. And I think, I think that's important for us to go back to, because this shows Christ is having the rightful, the right to rule. He is the rightful King. And so he has authority over all things over the nations and, and, they will rule as a result of his rule. They conquer as a result of his conquering. It's not as if they are doing this on their own as a result of what he has already done. And so by the by virtue of the fact that they have put their faith in him, then they will conquer and they will rule as well. Um, and so like, I, I don't think that they're that Christ is saying, all right, now, if you just endure, you get to punish all of your enemies, and that's your motivation. Um, because somebody could look at that and say, um, well, if I'm going to rule them with a rod of iron, I'm the one that's going to take vengeance. No, Christ is the one that's going to take vengeance on his enemies. And we, by virtue of being in him, uh, have, that, have that joint rule with him and reign with him. Um, additionally, I would say that it says here, and I will give him the morning star. Now, if you think back in the book of Philippians, uh, where Paul tells them not to grumble and complain and, and by being so they will shine like stars uh, in this crooked and twisted generation. But what is the morning star? Well, the morning star is one that outshines all other stars. The morning star is the sun that rises in the morning. And this is, I believe this is a reference to Christ himself. And so the morning star is Jesus. And so your reward, as we've said over and over and over again, is not just the other things about heaven. It's Christ. Always Christ is the reward. And and, he's he's, going to outshine every little bitty star. Like there'll be no glory for us. It'll all be for him. And so what were you
0: saying? Now, yeah, we've just joked at like, hey, you'll get the tree of life. I get a tree or the fruit of the tree of life, right? I get a stone. Yeah. I get a stone. No, you get Jesus, right? And and you mentioned Philippians chapter 2. You mentioned the sun. Uh, but uh, I think Revelation 22 gives us even more clarification as well to this morning start this is what it yeah. says. Revelation 22, 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches right? Which is the letters we're reading about right now. Yeah. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star, right? Yeah. And so the the goal of the Christian life is to persevere, not so that you get what Christ gives, but that you get Christ, right? And you yeah. get him for all eternity. And so, yeah, I mean, you just said everything that I was going to say is basically um, the, the one who conquers, which is not one who takes up the sword and beats everybody, up or kills everybody or goes to war in the sense of physical warfare, but the one who keeps the sword as in the sword of the the, the word of God um, holds fast to its message, right? Is faithfully throughout time. And that person gets the Lord, right? Forever. Yeah. That's the goal, right?
1: That is a great way to conclude today. Um, you know, the, it says, you know, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says the churches. So hopefully everybody will um, take what the Scripture has said to us today, and uh, will will really take that to heart and um, allow God to transform through it. So why don't you uh,
0: say a prayer for us to close us today? We thank you for this day. We thank you for time and your Word together. We thank you for um, in providence that you have provided us uh, internet and that we can distribute. Lord, we pray helpful resources such as this one so that people can open up their word and just um, Lord, study it. Lord, we pray that we have been faithful in study. We pray that you would guide us into all truth as your spirit um, leads us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Well, as Trent said at the beginning, we are hoping that this uh, is beneficial to you all. And we just thank you so much for joining us each week. And um, I pray that God blesses you through his word this week as you study it. See you next time.